Good morning first. Good morning. 9 a.m. crowd. We, we're not quite there, but we're close to having to ask some of our 11 o'clock folks to come to the 9 because of uh, capacity in our kids' rooms and in this room. So thank you for, for being here at the 9 a.m. I just will say for now, if you ever are like torn and you're not sure, come to the 9. Um, but uh, I don't want to start this brand new month and this brand new series by hurting anybody's feelings. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings with this, with this story, but um, it's a fake story. It's a pretend story, all right? It's a pretend conversation. Usually I can see y'all, but um, wow. Um, I know you're out there. So here's the pretend conversation. Raph mentioned tabling, uh, hitting up in August, so I'm going to fake ask an imaginary person this simple question. Hey, are you going to participate in the tabling for August? Right, it's a simple question, right? right? So I pretend to ask this imaginary person. This imaginary person then says, man, we went to it in July. It was, I still have dreams about those kebabs. This dude did these kebabs on the grill and it was amazing. And actually my kids met some new friends and they started playing around and, and they, they've actually gotten together since then. And it's been, it's been so good. And I've wondered about this with the tabling, you know, of the, are, are the hosts, are they nervous, you know, because... You don't really know the people that are coming, not, you're not meeting them, so like they're coming to your house, like that's crazy, is that, I don't know if I would be cool with that, but um, every time that I have gone, I've been really glad that I went. Right, now, what have they refused to do in these 30 seconds? What have they not done? They have not answered the question, right? They, and, then, and then at the end of the paragraph, they say, but no, we're not gonna make it to the August tabling because, um, we're out of town this week, so we're not going to make it. This series is called Bottom Line. I have a huge appreciation for people that can get to the bottom line, right? I have a huge appreciation when you ask that question, are you going to make it to the August tabling, that they would just say, you know what, we're not going to make it because we're out of town this week, all right? That's all I asked. Not that I don't care about everything you said, but that's not what I asked you, <laughs> Right? Just get to the bottom line. Jesus was pretty good at getting to the bottom line. So, so some of you, that that's, has nothing to do with the topic at hand. That's just a public service announcement, right, of you're killing us. You make us pay such a high price to get to the end of the story. Like, and, and, and we're trying to stick with you. We're trying to keep eye contact. We do love you. You just don't make us pay so much of our life waiting to get to what you're trying to get to. Now, it's, as a preacher, that can be hypocritical to say that, right? Um, this series, Bottom Line, it's about money. And Jesus had a lot to say about money. You, you'll hear sometimes that and preachers will kind of twist and say Jesus said more about money than he said about anything else. That's not true. The way that they get there is they, the, every story he told, if he mentions money, the story's not about money, but he may mention money in it. But what we can agree on is he had a lot to say um, about money. So we're going to get to the bottom line, I think, of a lot of Jesus' teaching about money as we open up this series today. And if you've been around church, and some of you have, and some of you haven't, if you've been around church, some of you get a little bit of a reaction when preacher starts talking about money, because it can go a few ways. It's either, you know, you've been in situations maybe where this is a guilt trip, or I'm going to try to make you feel awful about how you're spending or not spending your money. That's not us. Or, um, and as a church for the untold, unconvinced, um, I had somebody tell me recently, like, you don't preach about money enough, right? And we, we, we know that that's an issue for a lot of people that, uh, that don't go to church or don't follow Jesus. They just think 
It's about getting in the pocket, right? That's the old phrase. You just want to get in my pocket, right? We need to update that. You just want to get into my cash app or whatever. So that's, that's not what this is. Here's, here's our very simple goal for this entire series. It's on the screen. This is our goal for this series, that we would align our relationship, you would align your relationship with God with your relationship with money. Those two things would come into alignment, right? You understand alignment with vehicles, right? Everything's in balance. So when I talk that phrase, relationship with money, right? Young people and not so young people, everybody in the room, even our kids back here now, they, they all have a relationship with money. You start to have seeds planted when you get that first birthday card with a dollar or a $5 bill, depending on you know, how wealthy your grandparents are. When you get that, they, they start to develop a relationship uh, with money. And parents, that's a big part of our job is to guide them in that relationship with money and bring some things into alignment in this bottom line series. I'm gonna tell you a story from the men's retreat, but before I do, let me advertise the men's retreat. We gotta sign up, fellas. Uh, this is 16 and up. Um, some fathers and sons, but it, you don't have, it's not a father and son retreat, it's a men's retreat. Um, it's October 7th and 8th. Um, there are 36 spots left, right? So I'm asking you to sign up, so every week I'm gonna give you the update. So next week, if I say 36 spots, you'll know nobody signed up since last week. So it's gonna be a short retreat, we'll leave Friday, uh, probably after work, mid, late afternoon, come back Saturday, midday. Um, it's gonna be a powerful time, it always is. Um, and I tell you that, um, to get to this story from our last men's retreat. We did one of those exercises, um, anonymous. Have you ever done this uh, in a business setting where uh, you fill out, um, you answer questions, and then you ball up your paper and you throw it, somebody else gets it, and then you stand up, and you, you're, we get a little survey, but we don't know who's representing who. Does that make sense? Um, so you're like, have you ever you know, been to Florida? And if I check yes, right, then, then I'll... Trade my paper, but I don't know with who. And then I'll say at the end, who's been to Florida? And you get a kind of representation of the room, right? So we did that with a bunch of pretty heavy things with men um, and just to see kind of where we're at, what we struggle with as men. And maybe the most impactful to me, because it took me by surprise, here's what the paper said. I think about money more than God wants me to, right? So we traded all this. So it was anonymous in the room of, you know, 30 guys or so. Um, and it was well over half that stood up. Now, we don't, again, we don't know who those half were that said, I think about money more than God wants me to. And there's no scripture that tells you how much you're supposed to, like there's no standard for that. But without any teaching or preaching or Bible study, over half of our men just knew somehow instinctively, I dwell and think about money more than I think that God wants me to. And I said, we got to preach on this. And I'll, and I'll be transparent with you. I check that box at the retreat as, as, a, as a person, as a man. I, I feel like, yeah, I think about money more than God wants me to. So we only know how to do things one way here. We're going to be pretty um, real. There's a, there's a story I'm going to tell in a couple weeks. I'm teasing it today um, that Kelly's already asked. My wife's already said, don't tell that story. Uh, she doesn't want me to tell this story, but it's embarrassing. But it's, it's, if that doesn't get you here, I don't know what will. But uh, we're going to get into it. What's the... Um, What's the greatest message ever preached, in your opinion? Anyone? Church. That's the easy one. It's supposed to be that one you did last week, Pastor. That's always the answer, all right? A lot of folks might say this thing that has been called the Sermon on the Mount, right? Because Jesus preached um, this beautiful message. It takes up almost three chapters of Matthew, um, and it's Jesus teaching about everything. And we're going to we're going to get into that, and I'm going to pick up in, in chapter 6 in a second, but I want to give you the context, because the flow matters as a preacher. Things are supposed to flow, so he's building towards what we're going to get to, which is this bottom 
line. He starts chapter six and he says, um, hey, when you give to the needy, don't do it. Don't make a show of it. Don't give to the needy so everybody's like, oh, you're so generous. Don't do it that way. All right, then he says, hey, when you pray, let me teach you how to pray. He gives us the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, and this kind of backs up my initial story about the tabling. He says, when you pray, don't use a bunch of words, right? Because God, sometimes he's like, come on. He's patient, right? But get to the bottom. He's like, you're not, you know, he uses the word babbling, right? Don't pray, babble on and on and on for show. So the people are like, oh man, you can really pray because you say a lot of words, and he says, when you fast, fasting is a part of our spiritual life. He says, when you fast, like, don't look all pitiful. Don't walk out of the house and be like, oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm fasting today for the Lord, right? Don't, don't, don't make it about you, right? So he says all three of those things, and I just want to put this on the screen because this is core to who we are. Showy counteracts the gospel, right? Now, unfortunately, it's not hard to find the opposite of that, the, the showy and the gospel connected and it's all about, and, and Jesus was so um, blunt in saying, praying, fasting, giving to the needy, those are three good things. But if you make it about you, if you make it about being seen in the show, you're counteracting the gospel. And you think, well, that may be a little strong to say it counteracts the gospel. Well, uh, I'll prove my point here. This is a, a verse that's probably the most dear verse to me as a when I talk to other preachers, this is just a crazy verse. We quote it all the time, and we pray it all the time. This is, uh, we had beautiful baptisms last week. Raph baptized a young man named Isaiah. I baptized a young man named John. And, and the, the argument in Corinthians was based on who baptized you. Right? They were arguing about, oh, I was baptized by this guy. I'm legit. And like, you were baptized by some minor league dude. Like, you're not, you're not. Right? So they're arguing about that. So Paul says this in verse 17. Christ didn't send me to baptize. I don't care who baptized you. He sent me to what? To preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. What? I was a preacher. I always would, would preach. There's nothing that can empty the cross. That whole exercise, I hope some of you have been doing it. It's been powerful in my life that we taught you last week. Right? This says that the cross can be emptied of its power. How? With showiness. If I make it about preaching about my wisdom and my eloquence, if I want you to leave saying, ooh, he good, right? Then what can I, I can actually empty the cross of its power. Showy, self-centeredness can actually empty the most powerful thing ever, the cross, from its power. Paul continues a few verses later. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. If it's about my, not that we don't, we do prepare, we want to be excellent, but if it's about my eloquence and my wisdom, then you're going to build your faith on me, and that's not going to go well for you or me, right? And Paul said, that's not who we are. So we're not trying to make the show. So back to um, Jesus, he's saying in giving, in, in money, he's going to get to money in a second, but he's talking about fasting and prayer and all of that, your father sees what's done in secret. Like, don't, don't make it a show. And then he goes on to start talking about don't store up treasure on earth. Instead, store up treasure in heaven. And his reasoning is simple. His reasoning is on earth, people steal stuff. People stuff rusts, moths, destroy moths, rust, and people. So if you put all your, all your life into this earth and storing up treasure here, it's, it's not smart. Instead, he says, store it up in heaven where there are no thieves, where there's no moths and rust can't destroy. All right? Then we'll, we'll, pick, we'll put it on the screen. 
It seems like it's a detour, but it's not. Next verse, 22, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that light? All right, so he's talking about not being a show. He's talking about treasure, and then he throws that in. I told my wife, Kelly, this way, I was like, I've never understood this for, I've read this so many times, I've never understood it. I don't, I don't like, what is he talking about? Does that make sense to you? Like, I as a lamp, that doesn't make any sense to me. And my wife, I pick on her because I remind her weekly that she's a valedictorian and she should know everything. I was like, can you help me out with this? And she's like, I got nothing for you. Like, well, thanks for that. So uh, I spent a good bit of my week trying to dive into to this and the Greek and he's talking about treasure and then all of a sudden he's talking about the eye is the lamp of the body. What does that even mean? And there's a Jewish um, you know, word picture of the eye of, of it being kind of your soul. It's, kind of, it's talking about like what you're all about. The eye is the lamp of the body. It's talking about if your eyes are healthy, how you view the world, your perspective. And again, he just said, don't store up treasure. It's what you're, what you're, what you're going after. If your eyes are not right, then nothing is gonna be right. Meaning, if your soul and what you're chasing in life isn't right, if that's dark, then your whole life is gonna be dark. It's a pretty profound um, statement about what is your life about? And it's that verse that leads into what we're calling the bottom line of all Jesus said on teaching. Here's or on money, all of Jesus teaching on money. Matthew 6, 24, he said this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. All right, that's Jesus' bottom line on money. You're gonna have to pick. And after this, this is a whole anxious series we did a while after. This is the lead in. What he goes to immediately after this is do not worry. You know, about your clothes, about what you eat, the birds, the air, all that stuff. That comes on the heels of this storing up treasure, don't be showy, and then the eye is the lamp, and then the no one can serve two masters. It's a trust issue. It is the most ironic thing in the world that our money says in God we trust. Isn't that crazy? I, I, I will maybe get into that in the, in the, later in the series of the story of that. Um, here's, here's, here's important. As we, as we dwell on this verse this morning, as we open it, wrong diagnosis leads to the wrong cure, right? So doctors, like if they, if they think you got this and they're wrong, they're going to give you medicine that's going to be the wrong thing. So you got to get the diagnosis right. So as your pastor, um, what is the diagnosis as we get, if we go back to Matthew 6, 24, as Jesus has this bottom line that you cannot serve two masters, what are we diagnosing um, today? Here's, here's, what, here's what's not the diagnosis at Relentless Church. The diagnosis is not, you guys are a bunch of greedy suckers, Right? That's, that's not us. Like we've shown that you guys have been beyond generous um, in so many ways. Uh, this, whole, this whole thing that, um, that you see in scripture that, that we'll get into in a couple weeks of how um, what comes sometimes with wealth is a condescending deal. Like that's not us. It was so yesterday, or yesterday last Sunday was such a, a monumental Sunday. It's maybe the first time, I don't know this for sure, maybe the first time in the history of Relentless Church that somebody came to church for the first time, heard the gospel, and gave their life to Christ and were baptized all on the same day. Um, and, and we had a couple guys, uh, his name was John, uh, that Charlie brought from, from the shelter, and to, see our, and to hear them tell some other people in our church, like they were overwhelmed with the love 
that, that they received. Like, so, so I'm so uh, excited about what God's doing and who you are. And Raph mentioned it too. You talk, the generosity of this church, we ask you to bring school supplies and some of you can't help yourself. Like these kids are gonna be blown away. Like it's so, not just the quality, the quantity, the amount, but the quality, like to bless them. So we're a generous church. So the diagnosis is, you know, you guys are greedy. That's not, that's the wrong diagnosis. If we're a greedy church, then I'm gonna preach the wrong message. Here's what I think the diagnosis is. And this is for, not specific to us, but true. I think that we're divided. I think that we're, we're seeking and chasing more than God. Here again, the, the, the point of this series is to allow your relationship with God to impact your relationship with money. I want you to get honest with yourself about what your relationship with money is because it's not about having it. A lot, you hear a lot of people say, I grew up really poor and they, they, they're really tight with their money. Your, your past, uh, whatever you grew up with as far as your money can impact your relationship today with money. But this, um, this verse, can we go back to uh, the no one can serve two masters verse, the Matthew 6, 24? Um, this, this idea of, of two masters, thank you. Um, it reminds me of a, of a story. Uh, we're getting ready to start getting back to basketball. I coach, I'm a coach one more year and I'm gonna retire. My daughter's last year and this is it. Um, and a few years ago, I wasn't involved in this, but as part of our organization, um, they decided to share some players among teams. There was a JV, junior varsity team, and there was a varsity team. And they thought, hey, there's a couple players that can play both because they needed that to happen. And it drove both coaches nuts, right? Because they had, they had some girls that were playing varsity and JV. So they were busy and they couldn't go to all the practices. So what, guess what practices they picked? The varsity. So then they went to the JV game and they didn't know the plays and the JV coach lost her mind, right? Because like, you guys don't come to practice. And, and it was like, the girls were doing the best they could. The, the thing was, there's two different teams with different practice times, different coaches, different plays, and they couldn't do both. That's a little bit of the idea God is, or Jesus is saying here. He's saying you just can't serve two masters. It's just logic, all right? If I, if I have, um, you know, uh, two kids here, I got the Benson kids. If I have you guys come up here, which I won't, and, and then I have, you know, somebody, a Carol Ann, you're going to be tag your it, and I send one of them run that way out the doors, one of them run that, and I say tag them both, you're going to look at me like, you got to pick, what Jesus is saying is there's two masters and something about this world and wealth and money, it, 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 it calls for something that, is, that is, should only go to God. And if I'm following God, I'm turning my back on money. If I'm following money, I'm turning my back on God. When it's like, I asked my kids this, we, we, you know, they helped me preach and I said, hey, guys, you think you can love God and love money? All right, and my, I thought there was wisdom and my oldest son Jackson said, um, you can love God and love to make money, but not actually love the money. I'm like, I'm still thinking about that. All right? He said, he said the issue is priority. And I was like, that's dead on. That's what Jesus is saying. It's, it's sometimes, right, if you've got two masters, they're going to both want you there, two, two uh, bosses, they're going to want you there at the same time. You have to choose. And Jesus is saying there's something that, that money is going to call for from you that should only come to me. And you're going to have to choose. And I think, I think my heart, part of my life, if I was honest, would say I want to chase both. I can chase both. I want God and I want money. And Jesus says you can't. Like there's no human that has the ability or the capacity to chase both God and money. 
And if you would say, you know what, I live for God, but I also live for money, Jesus would say, no, you don't. You can't. If you're living for money, you're not living for God, and if you're living for God, you're not living for money. That was his bottom line. It's about the priority. Now, you guys, some of you have been in, um, in some hard, I hope and pray this is never in your future here or any other church. You've been in some hard church services where pastors stood up and, and confessed sin, right? And it was the end of their ministry. And there's, um, I'm really excited because we're, we're having a meeting after church today, but we're getting close to installing the first ever elder group uh, at Relentless Church, right? So there's some things that pastors do and should get fired for right? You, you know the list if you've been around. Well, right now, I hate to tell you, I'm unfireable, right? So we're going to empower some people that can, that can remove me, which is healthy and right, right? So I hope you haven't been in those services where there was a confession from a pastor of a sin that's on the list that like, you can't be a pastor if this is what you've done. Um, so that's not what's happening today, but I do, I need, I do need to say from my, there have been seasons of my life, not when I was in my 20s, even recently, where I've been guilty of loving money. <sighs> right? And that's not on the list. Maybe it should be, right? Um, but that's, it's in, the, it's in the scriptures, right? That's a heart issue. And God has been teaching me a lot in that, especially in my sabbatical. And uh, I'm going to hopefully get to teach some of the things that God's um, taught me about that. I think, um, I think the question that I'd love for you to ask yourself and be honest with yourself is how much energy and life does the pursuit of money steal from you, right? And it has nothing to do with how much you make or which, you know, low income, middle income, like it, 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 it hits all of us. It's a temptation for all of us. How much mental energy does money and stuff and bills and budget, how much does that steal from your life? The problem According to Jesus, it's not that, you know, making money or having money is evil or sin. The problem is nobody, a human, has the capacity to chase both. Nobody is made, made with the ability. So if you're chasing one, you're not chasing the other. It's not anything bad about you. It's all of the human condition. He's saying, if you chase one, you're not chasing the other. If you're chasing me, you're not chasing money. If you're chasing money, you're not chasing me. You with me? It's that. Simple, how much does it take from us? How much time, how often are you thinking about? How much do I have? How much can I get? How can I keep what I got? How can I grow what I have? How can I spend what I'm gonna get? Some of you spend your bonus before it ever comes. All right, how much is it taking from your life? As a church for the untold unconvinced, <clears throat> um, one of the reasons I hesitate to preach on money is because you're bringing, and we're, this is why, you know, we're starting to have some capacity issues. People are starting to bring people again, which is who we were before the pandemic. And it's beautiful to see. But I know there's somebody here, um, if not somebody in here, there'll be somebody at the 11 o'clock that's never been to Relentless before. All right. And it's like, oh man, first time. And this is what they get, the money, you know. I, but it's, it's, a, it's deeper than that. I think it's the Christians that got to figure out your relationship with money. We got to, because we should be different. Right, there, there's, this is one of those, uh, it's one of the quickest little stories, uh, parables that Jesus told. Um, and this is, this is where it's out. It's not a, about money, it's about life. Matthew 13 says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, 
he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field, right? So there's a story that Jesus just makes up to make a point about the kingdom of heaven. What's the kingdom of heaven built on? We just sang it. It's, a, it's, a, it's this relationship, this firm found foundation of, of us and, and God. He's, he tells a story of a man's checking out a piece of property, and I don't know if he kicks something, he's like, and he starts digging, right? Nobody's looking, he finds treasure, and then it's kind of shady, <laughs> that, like, because whoever owns the land, you, I don't know what you should do right there, but he buries it, and then he goes and sells everything and does what he does to buy the land. He doesn't care about the land. What he knows is there's treasure on the land that's worth everything. People are like, man, why are you selling everything to buy this $10,000, you know, a couple acres piece of property? And Jesus is saying, because he knows that the treasure's in that, right? That's the that's the bottom line. It says, when you find what I'm offering, this kingdom that Jesus is calling us to, this relationship, we always say relationship over religion, right? When you find the real thing of a love relationship between you and God, you'll sell out everything for that. Here, I think, is the problem. I think so often American Christians are chasing money in a very similar way to American non-Christians, and we really can't preach and teach this parable because we haven't found the thing that's worth giving everything up for. If you haven't tasted the relationship with Jesus, then what do you have to offer, right? You all know people. I'm not saying you're one, but everybody in the room knows somebody who, if they were honest, their bottom line to life is chasing money. What do you have that's better? And if all we got is a get out of hell free card, that ain't good enough, right? If all we got is, you know, church attendance or some guilt trip or whatever, you know, we got, we got the love of Jesus, the love of God demonstrated on the cross, like we talked about last week while we were still sinners. We got the gospel. I've got a relationship with my creator. He loves me and knows me. I'm rescued and adopted. And that treasure is worth selling everything in our lives to get. If you can taste how good it is to know and be known by God and Jesus, then you're willing and you're and in that verse, he says, in his joy, he sold all he had, right? So it's like in this money series, what are, we, what are we trying to get you to do, right? I'm not trying to get you to do or give anything. That's between you and God. But whatever you do, I want you to do it in joy. There's a joy that comes from selling out to Jesus. And everything falls down to that. And that, that word has been on my heart. It's probably a series coming next year about joy. Uh, we had a family meeting Y'all have family meetings? Am I the only one that has family meetings? Okay. So we had a family meeting. I was just like, hey, y'all, all three of my kids have made a decision to follow Jesus, been baptized. I said, tell me about joy. Not joy, our staff member, but joy like in your life, right? And, and they, were, they were, so it's, it's hard being a pastor's kid. I, don't, I never was one, but I know it's hard. So we told them from the very young age, don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me the truth, right? Don't tell me what you think is the right answer. Tell me what's really in your heart, right? And when they were little, they told us what they wanted to hear. And when they became teenagers, like, no, tell me the truth. Don't tell me what you think. They were. Tell me the truth. So now they tell the truth. And to be honest, I missed the days <laughs> when they told me what I wanted to hear. So I said, hey, seriously, like, tell me about joy, like how much you experience joy in just your everyday life and your walk. And uh, they all said different things. But the consensus was, one was real honest. He was like, I don't, I don't have, I don't have, I don't know anything about that. I got no, I got no joy. I'm like, oh man, who's been teaching and raising y'all, right? Um, and it was, it was convicting that, man, if we don't have joy, 
This, this thing that isn't roller coaster, good day, bad day, this constant, consistent thing, no matter what. That's what he's talking about. If you find this, this water that never runs out, if you find this relationship and I'm always there, there's a joy in Christ that never goes away no matter what you're walking through. And that's what life is. It comes out, it flows out of that relationship. We gotta teach that. We gotta teach that to our kids and to each other. Um, and that's what we're seeking you can either seek this relationship with Jesus or according to him, you can seek money. What you cannot do is seek both. You know, uh, smart people like to use like the phrases of the day. About five years ago, this became like, if you were smart, you would say, you were talking about a choice and, and people would, smart people would say, yeah, it's really a both and, not an either or. You ever heard that? Like people, it's a both and, right? Uh, whatever, smart people. All right, this is not a both and. This message, this bottom line from Jesus, it's an either or. He's, he, we're trying to make it a both and, how I can go get money and follow Jesus. And maybe that's why some of us are frustrated because Jesus is saying, you gotta choose. You're not gonna serve, you're not gonna be the first human in history to serve two masters. So this may be the shortest message I've preached in a very long time. So what I'm not going to do is draw it out as the story I told at the beginning. I've got to be, I just have found myself when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm so appreciative of the gift. It is a gift of concise, of being able to summarize a lot of stuff quickly. It's a beautiful gift. If you can be, uh, there's people in this room that can go to a 90 minute meeting and they can summarize it in 90 seconds. I love that. All right. So I've been praying and thinking about this for months. I think uh, this, is, this is the bottom line. Uh, Jesus' words, I don't need to mess with them, but just kind of 21st century version of what he's saying, what he's launching us into the rest of this month as a church. Here it is. Either your money serves your God or your money is your God. That's the only two options I can find. There's no middle ground, right? So what you do with that, what God does with that and your finances, we'll see as we carry into this month. But from everything I can understand from what Jesus has taught us, either money is going to serve and bow down to your God or your money is your God. And I think we can all agree, like that's not the life of worshiping money or wealth or an account or whatever. That's not what we're here for. So we're gonna, we're gonna seek God together. I'm gonna ask him to speak to you what he wants to speak to you. God, this is, only, this is above me in so many ways. Like when I look at this room and, and think about the different issues of finances, the different levels of income and margin and resources, the different life stories. God, only you through your spirit can help us know where we go from here. So God, we don't, we don't want to waste this life living for stuff. Um, we know that you've blessed and we can receive those. We'll get to all that, God, but just help us for now sit in this bottom line um, that Jesus was so clear that we got to chase one and turn our back on the other and that we would choose you. God, I pray that you'd give wisdom uh, to couples and to families and to single people in this room of what this looks like. We wanna be people that, that it, we can say f that it's true that our money serves our God and not that money is our God. If we need to repent, God, I pray that we would repent. Uh, you give us the humility, the courage, the boldness that we would not be slaves to money. It would not be an idol in our church, in our lives, in our hearts, and in our future. So God, we trust you to speak to each person what you want them to hear from this. We go now in Jesus' name, amen. Come back next week, please.